Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. So it's been interesting. You and I are both movie pass members. At least for a few more days. <laughs> well, oh, that's right, because you, you canceled your subscription. I I'm canceled. Still, I'm still holding on to mine. And, you know, it just kind of brings up an interesting question, the whole subscription model, because I know TV's already kind of gone to that, and now movies are kind of going to that. So how does that affect us as writers? Yeah, I found, uh, you know, with Movie Pass, I was able to go to see a lot more movies and, um, you know, movies I might not have paid to go see otherwise. So I think it was exposing me to a lot more uh, in a smaller indie art house kind of movies. And that's good because you get to see a lot of more creative stuff than, you know, kind of the big blockbuster summer stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know for me before Movie Pass, so full disclosure, I only had it. It's probably going on about a year now. I think I signed up around last fall. So it really changed how I went to the movies because for for me, I would only go at Christmas time when like the big movies that I was interested in seeing would come out and maybe like one or two summer blockbusters. Nothing during the year really interested me. But because I already had this movie pass and had quote unquote already paid for the movie, I would go see anything and everything. And especially with the summer being so hot, we were always in the movie theater because they were like, it's air conditioned. But I did see a lot of things I probably wouldn't have paid to see. Like I saw eighth grade. That was really good. I saw the Mr. Rogers documentary. That was awesome. So I wouldn't have paid to see those normally. I would have waited for them to come out on DVD. But what's interesting is uh, with MoviePass kind of being up in the air, and now AMC has introduced their own subscription-based service. I forget what it's called, but it's the three movies a month thing. A-list. A-list, yep. And Cinemark, I think, is is coming out with one as well. There's still Cinemia floating out there as well. But the interesting thing, MoviePass, which is go to any – well, before, was go to any theater – now you have these ones that are only for that specific theater, like the AMC or the Cinemark. That kind of changes how we view and consume movies, right? Because AMC wouldn't necessarily have independent films or documentaries. Yeah, it depends on you know the schedule and the time of year. Uh, you know, obviously in the off season, off of summer season, they'll show a little bit more variety. In the fall and the winter, you get the Oscar contenders, so you get a little bit more variety off season. Uh, but I think what you're saying was, you know, the important thing is that's driving ticket sales to smaller movies, which makes, you know, writers like us excited because we write movies that maybe aren't going to be huge blockbusters. Um, it makes them more attractive because the investors think, oh, well, if we can use uh, a platform like MoviePass to promote our film, we'll get ticket sales. And I think you saw, just like I did, that MoviePass actually started investing in actual films. They were buying films at the markets. Mm-hmm. And then promoting them through their, you know, two, three million subscribers through email to get you to go see the movies. And I don't have the data. I think you said they have the data, though, that shows that their ticket sales significantly increased. I mean, there is a research that suggests that having something like this program encourages people to go see 
movies across the board and not just your big blockbusters like the Avengers or, you know, what have you. And as writers, we should be seeing, in theory, we should be seeing a bunch of different types of movies, independent films, art house films, documentaries, big blockbusters, unless you're like, all I really care is to write, you know, Fast and Furious number 20, and then just, you know, fine, go see a bunch of action movies. But in general, to become better writers, we need to consume a variety of things, correct? Right. Sorry, I just had a vision of Vin Diesel driving with his turn signal on for 60 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's he's 80 years old and he's click, 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 click. Anyway, um, but yeah, exactly. The, um, the opportunities to get those movies out there into the market is increased because the distributors know they're going to have a better audience. So then we as writers would have more movies to see that would appeal to us and, you know, you know, show us different styles and, and different qualities of writing versus just, you know, how many aliens can you blow up or dinosaurs, you know, running around. Mm -hmm. Now it's interesting because you, you brought up a point off off podcast, off podcast, off camera, where you said that the TV show subscription model is better for writers than the movie subscription model. Right. Well, when people are subscribing to these different channels, HBO Go, um, Hulu, Netflix, uh, the new ones are like uh, CBS All Access. And um, I just subscribed to DC Universe when I was down in um, Comic-Con. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, Disney's coming out with one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so everyone's going to have their own little marketplace to sell off their properties, their shows. And to keep people subscribed, you can't just have Game of Thrones for eight weeks or whatever and then expect them to pay every month for the rest of the year. Unlike cable TV where you subscribed and you just got the whole thing, now we are starting to like pick and choose. The cable cutters who don't have cable TV start adding up all these different services. So now I have Hulu, I have Netflix, I have Amazon, uh, I subscribe to DC Universe, uh, I might subscribe to Disney when it comes out. You know, So it starts to add up and you wind up almost paying you're getting up to the point where we're almost paying for actual cable. So, you know, so that's a consumer kind of decision. But the the cool part is all these channels have to have content enough to keep people subscribed. They want to keep you watching their channel so they keep making that money. So they have to start making more shows. So Game of Thrones pretty much had or in Game of Thrones, HBO pretty much had Game of Thrones. And then, you know, now they have Westworld as another big one. So they're starting, they add in all these shows along the way. So, you know, throughout the year, you've got some reason to stay subscribed and not just as soon as the season ends to cancel. But it's interesting that you say that because Hulu and Netflix are more of like a smorgasbord of content, right? Because they're trying, they're like the ABC, NBC of cable or streaming because they're trying to appeal to a wide variety of of people versus Disney, which has its branding or HBO, which has its branding. You know, you're not going to find something like Game of Thrones on Disney because that's not Disney brand. So for stuff that is very branded, like HBO, like Disney, like DC Universe, how does that affect us as writers? Because that's such a narrow market. I mean, unless you all you want to do is write for Disney, then cool, just buy the one. But if you're trying to write for a diverse market, that kind of hurts us as writers. Well, I mean, things like Amazon, yeah, Amazon and Hulu and Netflix have a very wide variety of content from drama to comedy to sci-fi to action. You know, they're 
pretty much doing it all. And that, well, Apple, t- Apple's going to be having their own content too. So I think, yeah, like there's going to be those big four, probably going to be like the NBC, ABC, CBS, where they're going to try to have content for everyone. But then you're going to have some niche markets like Disney. And um, there's there's new channels popping up all the time. Uh, Sci-Fi Go is a new web channel that'll be on Roku, I'm sure. Um, you know, where there are niche markets where you can either subscribe or or they're still doing commercial, you know, supported content as well. Um, not all these channels are pay to view. Like Crackle has been around oh, yeah. for a long time. They show a lot of movies, but they are, they have commercials. So it's it's kind of you know just another network like you're kind of used to on TV, but you know with commercials over the streaming. So there you know there's going to be the chillers and the and the um, well stars has a, a pay program now. Showtime they all have they're all basically just cutting out the middleman in a lot of ways. So I don't know if they keep more revenue that way because they're. When they, when they pay you or when you pay them to watch their streaming channel on Roku or on your laptop or your phone, you know, they're collecting that money and they're not having to pay the cable network for putting the show on the cable. Now, they're still doing both in some cases. But with these new channels that are just streaming on demand, I think, you know, the business model is changing for them. So they have the money coming in. So if they know they have, you know, 15 million people watching Game of Thrones on their streaming channel, they know that's a cash amount. They can figure out, okay, we know we're bringing in this much cash. So then they take that money, they turn around, well, let's make another show that will appeal to a similar audience. And and so now they're hiring more writers to make more shows until, I mean, you look at Netflix, it's hard to look at the Netflix screen and even find a show that's not a Netflix original anymore. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's it's good for us because it yeah. means more jobs, hopefully, but it's also bad because it really narrows what we can can watch and learn from. You, you can, it's kind of what's happened like, even in the news media. I don't want to get too far off base here, but um, with the, the proliferation of cable news channels and blogs and things, people started watching news that only appealed to them, the stories True. that were written from the angle they liked. So. Yeah. So then CNN, CNN's gone downhill. They're supposed to be the middle ground. So it's going to kind of be like that, but with genres. So people who like comedies are only going to watch comedies and then they're not going to be exposed to other kinds of shows. Whereas NBC and ABC and CBS would give you a variety. So you would have more well-rounded viewing experience. You wouldn't be just, just watching sitcoms all day long. So, but you know, we kind of like to gravitate towards what we like. So, you know, give the audience what they want, as they used to say. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, people want to consume media in places they want. So that's why we're switching from, you know, things used to be tied down to a big giant giant TV in your living room. And now we're watching everywhere we want to be. So, yeah. Do you think that, do you think that, uh, how do you say it? Niche? Niche. Niche. Okay. I never know. Niche or niche. Yeah. But do you think that that kind of niche marketing is actually going to hurt us then as writers? If all you're doing is watching comedy, does that make you better or does that make you worse? I kind of wonder. I I mean, I don't think there's an answer to that. No. I mean, as a writer, you know, of action sci-fi, I naturally like that. So I'm watching a lot of it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. I do watch comedies as well. So I just think, you know, um, it depends on your your preference. It's kind of like, you know, you, you do what you love, you write what you love and you do what you love. So why not, you know, stick to that area. Now, some writers like to write in different genres and that could be negative for them because, you know, we've, and we've talked about this and this is, goes back a long way. If you're a good writer of action movies, 
nobody's going to want to watch your, you know, read your rom-com because they go, you're an action writer. Don't, don't bring me that, you know? So you, you kind of get pigeonholed in this industry anyway. But I would argue if all you want to do is write action movies, maybe you should watch a drama or something just so you can write better characters. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, there is a value in watching multiple, you know, across genres, I would think. I yeah. could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know. Again, double-edged sword. I think it would make you better if all you watch is comedies. You'll be a great comedy writer. But at the same time, you might be weak on plot or something. I don't know. Whatever. And so how about for all of you? What do you think of all these new subscription services popping up? Let us know at WG Therapy on Twitter. You can also find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. Find us on iTunes. Give us a great review. We'll see you next week.